Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When we take control of our lives and our destiny, we're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrendous. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Straight out of the blocks this morning, we say happy, happy birthday to everybody at Douglas Village Shopping Centre. 50 years ago, they opened their doors. It was a much, much different place than it is now. But 50 years ago, happy birthday to all at Douglas Village Shopping Centre. They've been through an awful lot. Fire and pestilence, to say the least, over the last few years. But still, they are at the heart of the village. We catch up with them a bit later on this morning. Also, at the Cambridge English Dictionary, that posh book, to bait all posh books, it, it has come up with its word of the year for 2021. I wonder, do you know what it is? Then you can go and look it up in the newspaper. And if you do, I'll know, because you won't guess it off the top of your head. The Cambridge English Dictionary has come up with its word of the year for this year. And I wonder, do you know what it is? 083-396-9696. First of all, though, there are cuts and there are cuts. And there are budget decisions and budget decisions. But when you start cutting things like the fire service, we're in trouble And that is how it looks. I am not saying that is what has happened because I don't actually know. But that is how it looks. According to the Echo and according to people that we've been speaking to, cuts to the tune of almost €84,000 have been made to the fire service in Cork City under Cork City Council budget for 2022. The budget these days is done like that. It used to run on until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning big long meetings and shouting matches and all that it's all gone now in the space of a couple of hours but this has gone through 
an overall cut of 83.8k to the fire service. This happened at Monday's budget meeting. Independent councillor Paddy Deneen then proposed the budget be amended. Um, Paddy, of course, is a retired paramedic, uh, frontline worker, retired frontline worker, and he would know the implications of cuts like this possibly better than most of his colleagues. It was rejected. The amendment was rejected. So they voted. Not only did they vote and approve to cut the fire service budget by 84, nearly 84,000 euro. But they also refused to amend that cut when someone who probably has forgotten more about working on the front line than the whole lot of them put together and me and Paddy have had our moments but he's forgotten more about working on the front line than the whole lot of them put together proposed an amendment to that budget. Billy Crowley is the Cork City Fire Brigade Union rep. There's a lot of anger out there, Billy, isn't there? Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I think people are, are kind of disappointed, really, um, especially uh, our people inside, our firefighters and, and officers inside. Um, I suppose for us, our biggest problem at the moment is that there's no... There's no firefighters in Ballincollig Fire Station. Yeah, Ballincollig is the big problem. I got contacted about this yesterday and said, do you know the implications of this cut for Ballincollig? So what are they? Um, well, basically, where it goes back to is before the boundary extension, would say what, what we'd refer to as, would say, the old Cork City, even though it was only a couple of years ago, we would have had um, three fire pumps, one based in the north side in Ballyvalan and two based in city centre on Anglesey Street. We would have had a couple other kind of specialist appliances and stuff like that, like the the rescue unit we sent to car crashes and over to the river and platforms for, for taller buildings and stuff like that. And then in, in 2019, with the boundary extension, we took on obviously the much bigger area. And with that came Ballancolic Fire Station, which at the time was a retained station. So the crew based out of there would have lived and worked locally, would say within five minutes of the station, would have carried a pager. When the pager went off, they made their way to the station and responded to the call. But by retained, Billy, just for the sake of listeners, by retained, you mean that, that it didn't have an actual permanent staff? They were always on call, no. correct? Yeah, this would be the model in most of the smaller towns, we'll say, in Cork County and most of the counties around the country. So we'll say um, the likes of Bandon, McCroom, that kind of thing, where they wouldn't have the, the the volume of calls to necessitate having a full-time station there all the time. So they work off a retained model. So they'd have... the fire Being a firefighter wouldn't be, in most cases, their full-time occupation. Okay, okay. So that station then um, would say in our recent recruitment campaign, we were looking for full-time firefighters and five of the, the firefighters who were retained out in Ballincollig are now in training in our training centre and they'll be starting as full-time firefighters with us in, I think, the 12th of December. Okay. So that essentially meant that there wasn't enough crew in Ballincollig retained crew, so it was no longer viable. So since September, we've been covering it with a full-time crew out there. Um, so that this, there was no loss in service to the people of Ballincollig. And then this Tuesday at six o'clock, um, that station was closed and the crew who were out there were ordered back into Anglesey Street. So essentially there's no firefighters in, in Ballincollig. So the retained guys are gone. And yeah, they're, so they're now effectively the station will sit empty, will it? 
Uh, yeah. In a town the size of Ballancolic, and I appreciate it doesn't have enough call-outs to justify a full-time crew, but in a town the size of Ballancolic and the hinterland around it, we've got an empty fire station. Absolutely, and I think we'll say with the old city boundary, we'll say for it, it out the Carragrahan Strait was where the line, we'll say the line between city and county yeah. was. Ballancolic wouldn't have had, uh, we'll say, enough calls to justify a full-time crew. But since it's come into the city, they're a, quite a busy station because they're now our second, it would say, if we have a house fire in the western suburbs, sure. Ballancolic is sure. the second truck we send to it. If something happens in CUH, Ballancolic rolls to it. And you CIT. may or may not have this figure on the top of your head, Billy, but how about how many calls per month would they get? Um, you say, I think, before... before the, it was part of the city. My understanding, and again, this is kind of was say rough, rough off the top of my head. I think about two hundred calls a year, and at the moment, I think they're up. We'll say as part of the city, they're up around twenty calls per week. Twenty a week. Okay, yeah. and the station is empty now. Yeah, so it's been covered from Anglesey Street. Okay, okay, that's. Uh... That's a major cut, Billy, isn't it? I mean, the population of Ballincollig, it's, it's, it's a very large town now, or village, and it's a very large hinterland. It's a big residential area. And the fire station it is, is yeah, empty. Yeah, essentially it's the same as Douglas. No, there isn't a, a, a massive gap between the city and Ballincollig, you know, whereas obviously years ago we'll say when we were growing up, Ballincollig was a village out in the western approaches. No, it's as, as good as Cork City, you know, and it is part of Cork City, essentially, and the people of Ballincollig and its hinterland were promised city-level services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For which they're paying their property taxes, etc. Absolutely. And the, the corollary of that is the people in the old Cork City had a, a fire service and now they're sharing their fire service with the expanded city. Mm-hmm. And tell me, was, was this happening, I'm assuming from talking to you that it it was, this was happening even before the cut made on the Monday night's budget? Uh, yeah, we were, we were covering it. Um, I would say we were, we've been covering it since September and then the budget was on Monday night and then on Tuesday morning they met with us and told us that they couldn't afford to staff Ballancolleg and the crew were being withdrawn at six o'clock. Okay, Billy, thanks for bringing us up to speed on that. I'm going to throw it out and see what my listeners think. Uh, We would have a big listenership and Ballancolic. Thank you very much. I mean, there's not a whole pile you can do as a union, is there, other than voice your objection? Well, essentially, yes. No, we've we've lodged it with the the WRC, the Workplace Relations Commission, in the hope that they can come down and and try and make people see sense. Um, Outside of that, like... We're not gonna we're not gonna do anything that will say remove service from no. the people of Cork. No. You know what no. I mean? It's it's we're not gonna make it worse. You know, no. it's not something we want to do. You know, we want to make it better. But you're putting it, you're putting it out is, there, Billy, and you're 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 speaking very clearly about the implications for a town like Ballincollig, and and that's what you can do because I don't think a lot of people would have known this. I certainly got a call about this yesterday, and I didn't know. You know? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people would because, and this is this is the thing about us. We don't kind of bang our own drum when you pick up the phone, we're there. And we've got to the stage now where we can't cover this much with this little. 
Okay. All right. Listen, thank you very much. That's Billy Crowley. He's the Cork City Fire Brigade Union rep. Firefighters have their own national union. So, Baring College does not have a fire station effectively anymore. It has a building, probably has lovely equipment in it. But because of this €83,800 cut that was made to the fire service at the budget meeting of Cork City Council on Monday, Ballancolig's fire station will now lie empty. The retained staff who used to be on call out there, they're now training in the city to be full-time city firefighters and the best of luck to every single one of them. But in its infinite wisdom, the council has now decided that Ballancolig effectively ceases to exist in terms of having his own fire service. 1850 And to reiterate again, Paddy Deneen, who'd be the independent councillor, former paramedic, retired paramedic, who would probably know more about this than any one of his colleagues on council, attempted at the meeting to reverse that cut. And he was voted down. 24 votes against 6-4 and one, one abstained. He was packed it out of it, in other words. That's the truth of it. This attempt to reverse that cut was packed it out of it at the council meeting. People of Balancholic, let me hear from you. 1857 Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Make the perfect chip at home with their chipping potatoes. Once you taste them, you'll be back for more. Now in store. Corks 96FM. Word coming through from the European courts. This is a very interesting case, of course. We followed it with interest over the years. This is the Graham Dwyer case. Do you remember he was convicted of the murder of Elaine O'Hara, whose body was found uh, in the Dublin Mountains, if memory serves me correctly. But of course, Graham O'Dwyer from Cork originally. Now, he has been challenging, or his legal team have been challenging, Garda use of his mobile phone data, which formed part of their investigation and part of how he was collared. And that's before the European Court of Justice at the moment because he and his legal team believe that the Gardaí overstretched themselves in using that data as part of the case. Well, I can tell you now, the the verdict in this case isn't due in until 2022, but they're giving an opinion this morning, and that opinion has just been published. And it says that the... And I'm reading from the Irish Times, which has just flashed it up on its website, but it's it's coming out most places now. The data retention practices of Angarda Shikhana used to convict murderer Graham Dwyer and at the time allowed by Irish law, that's important, at the time allowed by Irish law were too far-reaching, according to a senior judicial advisor at the European 
Court of Justice. This was the Advocate General of the Court. And this opinion, for that is what it is, will assist judges in coming to a verdict. That verdict is expected next year. Now, at the time that this went before the European Court of Justice, we were trying to work out would it make any difference to the O'Dwyer case. Uh, the general opinion is that it probably won't. But that's just an opinion. We don't know. But there's been a certain, there's definitely been a finding in his favour this morning at the European Court of Justice that the way the guards used his mobile phone data to build a case against him, which at the time, at the time the guards are acting within Irish law, so they did nothing wrong. However, the European Court of Justice says it was a stretch and shouldn't have happened. That's the advocate of the... That's coming through this morning. 1857-15996. If anybody else, or if anything else should come through on that, I'll bring it to you uh, as fast as we possibly can. 1857-15996. Now, teachers, the other day, there's been a real unseemly row between Alan Kelly of the Labour Party and Taoiseach Micheál Martin over the last couple of days with regard to schools. Like, did Micheál Martin say to Alan Kelly, because Alan Kelly says he did say it to him, that teachers were exempt from this family quarantine thing that's just come in, where all members of a family must now quarantine for five days if they're close contacts of a case? Did the Taoiseach tell Alan Kelly that teachers were exempt from that because half an hour later Minister Michael McGrath said no they were not Alan Kelly insists that Taoiseach did say it the Taoiseach says he didn't say it there was a row between the two of them in the door yesterday but that kind of doesn't matter because the level of confusion in schools is mounting what exactly do they do the INTO president, president of the Irish National Teachers Organisation is Joe McKeown it's uncertain times Joe to say the least good morning Good morning, PJ. It, it certainly is a, a alarming times, and I suppose um, whatever the, the the rights and wrongs of the disagreement between the Taoiseach and Alan Kelly, I think what the Taoiseach did say the other night uh, that is very concerning is that for every four cases of COVID-19 that we know about, that there are six cases that we don't know about. Yes. Um, and what that means for schools is we know that there are 8,000 primary school children who have COVID-19 today. Um, And that means that there are uh, probably 12,000 primary school children who have COVID-19 that we don't know about. Um, And that is alarming because that is uh, one of the reasons we think why the number of children with COVID-19 is going up by almost 500 each day. Um, And I suppose what, what our alarm is, that the urgency of addressing that issue doesn't seem to have been grasped by uh, the Department of Education and the government just yet. Yeah, I've had, had this comment on my screen for a day or two and I didn't get an opportunity to get to it. Maybe you can assist, Joe. I got a phone call, says this person. I got a phone call from the school complaining about my six-year-old who missed 11 days. The first time he had to stay out was a few weeks ago. I rang the doctor. He told me the child would have to isolate and get a COVID test. It came back negative and he went back to school. He got a cough back again two weeks' time. Then again, the school sent him home. Same thing again. COVID test came back the same. Now they're complaining about the days he was out of school. Should they be allowed to complain? See, there you go. And I think in in fairness, PJ, to the the, the parent in question there is behaving very, very responsibly um, and and is exactly the right thing to do. 
the school, for its part, of course, is is also doing what it has to do. And I know as a former principal myself that when you write to a parent and, and let them know that their child has missed 11 days, they think you're complaining. But in actual fact, the school isn't complaining. Once the child misses 20 days, the school will have to notify uh, Tusla of that fact. There's I was just about to about get that. to that, actually, Joe, as a follow-on yeah. question, because I'm yeah. aware of that, that if, if a child misses yeah. 20 days, is it a term or is it a season or, or a oh, year? It's, 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 in, it's in the year. So what schools often do is they give parents an alert before that happens. And yeah. they say, look, we're just letting you know that your child has missed 11 days. I can assure that uh, parent that I would be very, very surprised if the school... Uh, is actually uh, complaining. Yeah. I think that what they are doing is just letting you know you're at 11. Yeah. But also would be saying to any parent who's listening, you know, when a school notifies Tusla that a child has missed 20 days, no alarm bells ring unless yeah. the school is telling Tusla there's alarm bells and ringing. And let me just and clarify with that, Joe. When a child has missed 20 days, and this is important for parents to understand this because it's not yeah. something that... When a child misses 20 days and it's recorded in the school role, the school is mandatorily obliged to call yes. Tusla. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no choice whatsoever. Yeah. And, and what schools try to do then is to let a parent know in advance that this may happen. Um, and, uh, and it's all about raising awareness. But, mm. uh, you know, certainly a lot of parents, like the parents there, uh, do, they do get concerned because they get a letter. There's a responsible parent. They, they, they don't want to, you know, trying to look after her child. And particularly in this particular circumstance, doing all of the right things. Uh, and that's the key message to that parent and to other parents. Mm. You're doing the right thing. Keep doing it. The school will have to pass on information at 20 days, but that's nothing. And don't be don't be alarmed about that. I heard some talk on other programs and read in some newspapers and social media, particularly over the last couple of days, uh, Joe, that it's now so confusing for primary schools that some of them will just end up closing because A, they can't get sub-teachers if teachers are out isolating and B, they've no idea how much COVID in the, is in the school and the thing is running out of control. Well, certainly the situation I would have described myself yesterday is very fragile in primary schools. Uh, I think that, that, that's what you've described is absolutely correct uh, and I was talking to a teacher yesterday you know, who's watching the cases uh, uh, moving along. One child you know, tested positive on, 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 on Monday two others sitting at the same table um, showing symptoms by Monday afternoon, six by, 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 by Tuesday. All of that causes alarm. And, of course, the staffing situation is very, very difficult. But what we need to hap- ha- happen, PJ, is this. Like, it is now 11 days since the Minister for Health said that antigen testing and contact tracing yeah. would resume in primary schools. Yeah. 11 days later, not one principal knows how the antigen tests are going to be given to the parents how the children are going to be identified, and when it's going to start. Um, And as I say, for each one of those 11 days, it started with 400 children getting COVID each day. It's now up to about 480 per day getting COVID um, that we don't know about. And that really is going to threaten individual schools who may have to uh, uh, send home classes, but the whole school system uh, and urgency is and clarity are really needed uh, mm. pretty quickly. Uh, is is your union surprised at how quiet the Minister for Education appears to have been in the last few days? Well, the Minister did come out yesterday and uh, give advice. Uh, I, I suppose we work with the Department and with the Minister uh, and what we want, uh, to be honest with you, is action. Um, and uh, really at this point, what the minister needs to spell out very clearly to, to people is 
when will the contact tracing and the antigen testing start? Mm-hmm. Who will give the antigen tests to the children? How will those people get those antigen tests? And even simple things like for the general population, we're told that you'll be tested on days one, three, and five with your antigen tests, but nobody knows when day one is. Is it the first day that you were notified? Is it the day that your antigen test arrives to you? Um, All of that information should have been available within 24 hours of the minister making the announcement. If the details weren't ready, the minister shouldn't have made the announcement. Mm. And if the minister made the announcement, the details should have been ready. Um, And that, you know, what I think is really important for your listeners to know is I spoke with the chief inspector last week and asked him how the COVID uh, inspections in schools were going. And he told me that 98% of primary schools inspected are fully compliant with COVID inspections. Mm-hmm. And that's a staggeringly high number. It's brilliant. And I think it is absolutely fantastic. I mean, they are the market leaders in the implementation of COVID protocols in this country. And all that is needed to keep schools open is to give them the basic support of identifying who has COVID, following them up, identifying the close contacts, and keeping everybody safe. How bad is the substitution problem, Joe? I, I ask this on the basis of something that's just come in uh, through Twitter, I believe. Uh, 22% of absences are covered by special educational teachers, only 3% covered by the supply channel. Uh, my child has missed 12% of days so far this year. He's had, I don't know how many early finishes for medical appointments, etc., etc. The special education teacher is a vital support to help him maintain progress. My understanding of this message is that some some of the special education teachers are being taken away from their actual job and put into classes to to keep those classes going and it's happening I mean, all over the place. We we have to we we have to be very very clear and it's, it's it's no more than the hospitals. The primary school system is not currently functioning at the full level that it normally would. Uh, and everybody involved in primary education is agreed. Uh, the management bodies and ourselves uh, you know, absolutely uh, believe it will not be possible to put a guard-vetted adult in front of every class every day between now and Christmas. It just won't be possible. And therefore, that is going to lead to some classes uh, having to remain at home. And we need clarity about when that's to happen and how it's to happen. Um, because it just is going to happen. happen. It's an inevitability at this particular point. Um, But, of course, we also have to get back to reminding ourselves that for every responsible parent um, or for every 10 responsible parents like the ones who have been contacting you, there are one or two who maybe are less responsible. And we are hearing of children, you know, awaiting tests and still coming into school. And that's a very, very risky Mm. uh, situation to have. So we do need everybody to follow the advice about reducing social contacts and so on, because if we have thousands of cases in the community, we are going to still have thousands of cases in the school, no matter how hard everybody works in school. Of course, what's going to happen, Joe, and this comes up, and it's an uncomfortable question, but you have to, you have to say it. If mom or dad, or mom and dad, are both working, and taking children out of school would involve one or both of them staying at home and not getting paid with five weeks to Christmas, you know the choice people are going to make. And, and, and you could not blame a parent, and I certainly would not blame a parent who uh, uh, is in that situation. I, I fully understand. I absolutely would say there needs to be 
very much more support for the for parents, particularly working parents, whether they have to go out to work or working from home. It is extraordinarily difficult, and employers need to recognise and, and like everybody, everybody's going to be affected by this because if employers show uh, flexibility um, for parents, uh, for working parents particularly, that in turn will reduce transmission, which of course will will benefit everybody economically. But a parent who has to go out to work to earn money in the run-up to Christmas uh, shouldn't be faced with the choice of putting the community at risk or putting their own family's welfare at risk in, 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 in that way. And we would have be calling for support from employers for those, mm. those parents because we, I certainly wouldn't judge parents in that situation. Joe, lastly and very briefly, um, this comes in. Children have missed so much time. Their learning is after falling back. It's unfair on them. The school needs to stay open. The homeschooling online didn't suit every child. They need to be in the classroom. I don't think you'd disagree with a word of that. I, I, I agree with 100%, 100% of that. And every teacher dreads the thought of uh, the remote teaching. Uh, every teacher that I have spoken to, and I have spoken to many, uh, wants to be in the classroom. And what we're saying very simply is this. In order to keep schools open, we need to keep them safe. And in order to keep them safe, we need the contact tracing and the uh, um, uh, the antigen testing uh, brought in immediately. All right, leave it there. Joe McKeown, President of the Irish National Teachers' Organisation. Thank you for being with us on The Opinion Line. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on the 2021 Cork County Senior Hurling Championship final between Glen Rovers and Middleton. Right here, right then. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. With Firebird Heating Solutions. If you're building, think of the Firebird Air Source Heat Pump with underfloor heating and heat recovery. See firebird.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. In the past year, I've never seen so many burned out healthcare workers. More than half have experienced high levels of burnout. Others report complete emotional fatigue and exhaustion. That's the opening line of a column in the Echo by a psychologist, Dr. Gillian Moore-Groke. Gillian, that sounds like there's a lot of people coming to you who are at the end of their tether. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Um, indeed, um, I suppose really um, way back in April, um, PJ, in uh, 2020, probably a month after the, the lockdown here, I suppose, really, I put out a, an article in the examiner really stressing the importance of the need for professional help um, being paramount for frontline workers. Because even as early as the first couple of weeks after the extensive lockdown here, we could see that we were getting more and more calls from people right across the medical profession um, really, really struggling um, and presenting with early signs of burnout. And obviously then, as the months have gone by, the level of burnout has grown exponentially. 
And um, really, I suppose it's it's from physicians, from nurses, social care workers, people working in the hospital as porters, administrative staff, right across the board. Um, and more and more of them are presenting day by day into our clinic looking for help. And we're trying to support as many of them as possible because really, I suppose, you know, they've gone through the various stages of burnout, really. Um, probably in the early stages, we saw kind of the initial onset of the stress, finding a lot of days very, very difficult. They were unable to focus. They were struggling with their sleep. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of fatigue. Then that onset of initial stress became very chronic for so many professionals. Then we had the burnout and then we had the habitual burnout where many of them really had to take some time out just due to that chronic mental and physical fatigue. Can I ask you about the term burnout? Because we all know what it is to be exhausted after a few very heavy weeks and you need a few days off. You need to get away a down walk by the sea just the sheer joy of doing nothing except maybe reading a book for a couple of days and you'll be fine burnout's different burnout is is extremely difficult i mean it's a term that's around since the 1970s um, by um, a gentleman called herbert friedenberg and we we all became familiar in the 60s kind of um, with the term post-traumatic stress. And mm. then a decade later, the term burnout followed. And burnout really, I suppose, literally is something that affects our whole quality of life. And there are different aspects to it. I suppose really the first thing that I should say is that really it affects the whole physicality in the sense that you're having difficulty sleeping. I see many people every day in the clinic that aren't sleeping, they're not eating, they have literally no time to self-care because they're working extra long hours. Even, you know, I'm sure many of the listeners this morning, those that are not necessarily working in healthcare but that are working from home would agree when I say that most people are putting in many, many more hours than they usually would if they were in an office or in the healthcare environment. So there's huge exhaustion People are very, very apathetic. People are very cynical. Um, They're actually suffering from physical illness and literally they cannot function because so many of them really have been exposed to very, very difficult situations. Mm -hmm. If you look at most frontline workers, they have been exposed to very severe psychological stress. They are constantly seeing life and death situations and they have they see the pain of losing patients. They also experience losing several colleagues. But what we're finding is more and more healthcare workers are opting to retire early. Um, there's increased risk of infection for not just themselves, but also for their families. And this, again, we're finding, PJ, is higher within the ICU units yeah. around the country. Um, there's a significant rate of depression. Um, we have had patients present with some suicidal ideation. Um, we have had people sort of very af- afraid that there's going to be increased medical errors. Um, some have turned to overeating. Some have turned to alcohol abuse. Um, so it is very, very difficult out there on the front line. Wow, well, it is. It is indeed. And you write in the same piece about another issue is that many professionals and look everyone's stressed at the moment but there's Absolutely. there's abuse on the front line as well verbal abuse well you see the problem is i suppose really with so many people um becoming infected really um there isn't the same amount of staff available and even you know we encourage people to go and talk to their line managers but many many people's hands are tied in the sense that you know maybe somebody tests positive the evening before and it's very very difficult 
uh, currently to get a replacement. So everywhere the staff are are, are down, really. I mean, one of the recent uh, studies um, which was carried out in UCC recently highlighted that three, in four, three out of four people in the country in two of the biggest ED departments are suffering from burnout. And they broke that down and they saw that 81% of those were in St. James's Hospital in Dublin and here in Cork, 67% in CUH were reporting burnout. Wow. So that's a very, very significant um, factor, really. And I mean, the challenges that every healthcare worker cha- um, faces every day really are, you know, should I quit my job? Can I can I continue to work in a very, very stressful environment? And despite how much you say to them in terms of maybe tightening your boundaries, there is that sense of caring that we, we all try to give. Mm. To, uh, we go into work every day to do our best for people. And, you know, we all start off um, as young 20 odd year olds with that sense of the honeymoon stage of burnout. We are enthusiastic. Mm. We experience a high level of job satisfaction um, and we give as much compassion and care as we possibly can. And if you continue to work then in a very, very stressful environment, you add a pandemic into the equation, you then find that so many uh, healthcare workers are suffering from compassion fatigue and with very little time to self-care. Yeah. So what's to be done? Well, what I would say is that, and I I highlighted this back in April 2020, that really um, line managers need to encourage the workers to go and access their employment assistance program. So most of the HSE have um, an employment assistance program in place where they can access up to six to eight sessions of individual therapeutic support. I would also suggest really that there should be maybe more peer support. Now, certain groups have come to me and said within their own units within the hospital, they do offer peer support um, and whereby they kind of meet as monthly disciplinary teams and just work through any struggles or issues and then somebody maybe reports that to management. Um, I mean, this is really, really important that people actually seek out support. The first port of call is always your GP. Um, And I know and I empathise with the stress that GPs are under currently as well. Um, But I think it is important that you go and talk to your GP because some patients will require medication. Some patients will, um, some healthcare workers will need to go and see a psychiatrist because the level of burnout is so profound in many of them. Because I suppose the important thing to say to the listeners this morning, PJ, is that if uh, burnout isn't treated, it will ultimately lead to post-traumatic stress over a period of time. I spoke to a young nurse uh, a young Irish uh, ICU nurse on a ward in London in the middle of one of their surges. He was led from Cork and he said to me that he was predicting there and then that at least five of his closest colleagues already had a form of PTSD and it was just going to get worse. That frightened the life I'm not out of surprised. me. I, I'm not surprised really in a sense, you know. Um, and it, it, it's it's a little bit like, you know, you go to work every day and and it's a little bit like that, that Greek mythology figure Sisyphus that pushes the boulder up the hill every day and it comes crashing down. And every healthcare worker pushes that boulder up the hill every day and it comes crashing down because so many challenges are met. And as I said, really, we have seen higher rates of burnout within the ICU units. And really, I suppose, 
suppose what I would say as well is that if we compare what the Irish budget spends on mental health, the Irish budget um, health budget is about 5% of an investment in mental health. And really, if you look at that or compare that to the UK or to New Zealand, where there's about 12%, mm. other countries in Europe, I think, go as far as 15%. And um, hopefully, hopefully, um, there has been greater awareness created around mental health issues since the pandemic started in Ireland. And I hope that that will be seriously considered within the echelons of the government to look at a greater investment for mental health moving forward. Lastly, I think the message to people listening as well, Gillian, this morning is if you are dealing with a frontline worker, be gentle. They're having it rough. Absolutely. And really, at the end of the day, we're only all human beings. And every day we go in and try and do our best. We get it right most of the time. We get it wrong occasionally. But to be sensitive around the fact that there is an awful lot of burnout and fatigue out there within the wards, within the healthcare centres, within your local GP's office. And I suppose really we're probably asking a lot of the public to be patient in these very difficult times. But that's the only way really we can move forward. Dr Gillian Moore-Gork, thank you very much. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Feels good. Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway is here. I, I, I got a pocket full of cash money. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. For free. Take you on a shopping spree. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. On 083-396-9696. Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre. For toys, food, fashion and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Only on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Yeah, we had a couple of correct guesses to that uh, Cambridge University English Dictionary, Cambridge English Dictionary, rather, uh, word of the year. Some people are very quick off the mark. I suspect they might have read it in their morning newspaper or seen it on breakfast television or something, but others having a go and being well off the mark. Can you guess what it is, though? Starts with a P. That's all I'll give you. 185715996. Huge response to the fire brigade story from Ballancolig. I'll get to them in a while. Effectively, Ballancolig no longer has access to a fire service. The retained fire officers, that's the part time guys who go in on call, five of them are now training to be full time firefighters with the city service and the best of luck to them. But because of cuts, agreed in the budget. Cuts agreed in the budget by the city councillors last Monday night. Ballancolig will no longer have a working fire station. That's our read on it this morning. Big response coming in to that. But let me go first to Shane Phelan of the Irish Independent to see 
if we can find out more about this developing story with Graham Dwyer, it's not so much that they have found Graham at the European Court or the opinion is that his data was wrongly retained, but the retrospective element of it is is what has been, I suppose, if you want, his big win so far today. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, look, PJ, it's a little bit complicated as anything to do with the Court of Justice for the EU tends to be. So you'll have to bear with me for a second while I explain this. Sure. Um, Graham Dwyer, he was uh, jailed for life for the uh, murder of Dublin child care worker Elaine O'Hara in 2015. He um, the, His trial more or less hinged on the availability of mobile phone data, which helped place him with Elaine O'Hara at various stages and uh, it, it shredded any alibis that he had, okay? He subsequently went to the High Court and challenged the law under which that data was A, A was retained by mobile phone companies and B, how it was seized by the guards. And under Irish law, uh, mobile phone companies were obliged to keep this data for two years and uh, the guardie could go more or less directly to these companies with, um, as long as the chief superintendent gave the say-so within the guards yeah. to get the data. But this um, uh, but this law, the Irish law, was found to be incompatible uh, with EU laws. Um, the High Court found that it was it was um, it was basically it was indiscriminate, um, and um, they also found that uh, there needed to be more oversight. Mm-hmm. It also found there needs to be more oversight. You need something, somebody like maybe a judge or somebody could yeah. could could uh, you know clear requests. First. And this was a criticism, Shane, that, of the right. law, not of the guardy using the law. They they used it yeah, in good faith. Yeah, yeah. The guards basically followed the law as it was at the time. Okay, so the state was unhappy about this. Went to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, signaled last year that um, you know it was it was largely in agreement with. With the High Court, um, uh, but it also signaled it didn't want to apply any such decision retrospectively. Yeah. So effectively, reading between the lines there, it, it looks like the Supreme Court is is going to strike down the law, but doesn't want it to affect uh, cases such as Dwyer's, which occurred before the date the High Court gave its ruling. The High yeah. Court ruling was in 2019. So that would, if it's not retrospective, it would harm Graham Dwyer's chances in a separate appeal that he has in the Court of Appeal. It hasn't been heard yet. He's hoping that uh, this process that's ongoing at the moment, that he'll be able to go to the Court of Appeal and say, look, the Supreme Court has said this, the Court of Justice for the EU has said that, mm. these are all in my favour, and this is why my uh, conviction is unsafe. So what's happened today is um, there's a, a, an official called an Advocate General who's, who's basically a judge who advises the Court of Justice for the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, he, provi- he provides that, that court with an opinion. So the court had a hearing on these issues uh, two months ago, and now we have the Advocate General's opinion, which is supposed to guide the court. The opinion is not binding, so the, so the, the, the court can diverge from it, but it, it tends to go in line with it. So it's a good barometer of what way things are going with the court. And essentially... Um, the uh, uh, opinion given by the Advocate General is something of a boost for Graham Dwyer's ultimate chances of 
um, uh, having his conviction overturned. Mm-hmm. This advocate general, he's from Spain. His name is Manuel Campos Sanchez Bordona. He found that the indiscriminate retention of mobile phone phone data could only be justified in cases involving national security. Right. Now, national security does not include the prosecution of offences, including serious offences such as murder. So, not justified in a case such as Graham Dwyer's. Secondly, he's also signaled that any decision that the Supreme Court in Ireland makes on the validity of the law used to seize Graham Dwyer's mobile phone data would have to be retrospective, and that's the rub. And, uh, that is, and, and that, that that is the key issue here, I suppose, for Dwyer when he goes to the Court of Appeal. So um, it's 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 there's still a way to go with this. Um, you know, uh, ultimately, the Court of Justice for the European Union is now expected to, to go into what's called a deliberative process. And they will uh, come back with their final ruling sometime between now and March, we're told. Mm-hmm. After that, it goes back to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court then finalizes its ruling in the case uh, on the striking down of the law. And it will have to say from when the law is being struck down. And then again, another step will be when Graham Dwyer pushes ahead with his uh, uh, appeal against his conviction in the Court of Appeal. So there's a lot of steps to go along the way here. There's a lot to be done, but, but today's opinion from that Advocate General, it, there's no way to to polish it up, Shane. It's it's in his favour as, as we stand. Thank you for bringing it to us um, in, in detail. Shane Phelan of the Irish Independent. So that finding of the Advocate General to the European Court said, first of all, the law was wrongly applied, shouldn't have been applied. That's the first part. But the second part is the part that favours Graham Dwyer because it's got to act retrospectively. So if the Supreme Court now strikes out the law, his conviction, he will then appeal that his conviction was unsafe based on the striking out of the law and the fact that the striking out has to be retrospective. There's a lot left in this and a lot more road to run. But today has been a very positive day for convicted murderer Graham O'Dwyer. Graham Dwyer. 1850-715-996. Let me bring you some of people's responses to the news from Ballon Colleague and quite a lot of them. I work on the link road where the fire station is. There isn't a day when we don't hear it going out two or three times. I live about 10 miles west of Ballon College, so now I'll have to wait an extra 20 or 30 minutes for a fire truck. Hi, PJ. The city moving the boundary is proving to be a disaster. A very busy retained fire station closed, and the rest of the retained fire stations close to city boundary, they're getting a lot quieter in call-outs since the city moved the boundary. We should all at all times compliment the two retained firefighters in Melancholic and their excellent service and duty. They are still there. That's correct, caller. Thank you. I'm listening to the show. It's an absolute disgrace. These cuts are continuing to our essential services. These people put their lives in danger helping people and yet they can pump money into robot trees. What a wonderful country. PJ, the money the council spent on the magic trees has to come from somewhere. They also put up the car park charges, driving more people out. Councillor Mick Nugent says, not looking for a row, but Paddy still voted for the overall budget containing the cuts to the fire service. 
Katie says it's about time when dealing with a fire. It's all about time. I had a house fire and the crowd in Carrigaline were brilliant. Time is of the essence. You try getting through the traffic in the city. I'd love to know who came up with this idea. I happened to be out one night socially with a guy who was a retained, a retained firefighter. This is a few years ago now in Carrigaline. He was a chap. I was involved in a local thing with him in Carrigaline. He didn't drink. He just... So he was never having a point, so he could always go. But I saw him move one night. He was in the middle of a conversation, talking about a match that we'd all been watching and laughing and joking. And bip, off goes the beeper. And he was gone, like dirt off a brush. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Get through your afternoon with all your favourite tunes, brilliant giveaways and everything happening in Cork. Here, straight after The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. A reliable predictor of weather uh, Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather, uh, follow him on Twitter. He's usually a few days ahead of everybody. He's predicting that after the weekend, it's going to get properly cold. Now, I don't think we're looking at anything like frost and snow, but we're definitely looking at it getting a lot colder than it has been. It's been very pleasantly mild for the last week and a bit, just getting colder in the evenings. Certainly unseasonably mild for November. But of course, when it gets colder, we have to mind ourselves a bit more and look after that old immune system, which has been under enough pressure from COVID-19. But we need to look after our immune sense, uh, system going into the winter. Professor Liam O'Mahony is from the uh, APC Microbiome Ireland operation at UCC. He's Professor of Immunology there and he joins me. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Heading into winter, it's getting colder next week, we know that. We need to look after our bodies. We need to look after that immune system of ours. We need to start with our diet, don't we? Because gut health is general health. That's the whole, that's the whole premise behind your, your, your um, organization there. That's right. And, you know, it's important to remember that the immune system is actually fully integrated into all the secretary, circuitry of every organ in the body. And it doesn't just protect from infection, but also helps to repair damaged tissues. It's always removing new cancer cells. It helps to regulate metabolism. And every day it serves as a conduit for communicating information about what's going on, you know, throughout the body and outside the body into all parts of our physiology. So when it gets cold or when we get exposed to more things, the immune system is really important to have it, you know, firing at all cylinders that it's going to do its job well. And as you said, gut health is really important for our immune system for many reasons. And 80 to 90 percent, so the most of the immune cells that you find in the body are actually in the gut. And in the gut, they're being trained by the bacteria that are present within the gut to be much more effective at doing the job they're doing, but also much more regulated. So they become much more efficient. They don't overreact when they shouldn't. And really, the whole system works as it should. Yeah. So what can we do in ordinary, everyday life to boost our gut health and prepare ourselves for the winter? So, unfortunately, there's no quick fix, you know. It's a, and a lot of um, 
the multivitamins and the minerals that are out there really won't do much for you for your immune system if you're already eating a well-balanced diet. Mm. So, you know, deficiencies are really important to avoid for many reasons, not just for your immune system, but really, you know, if you have already a good balanced diet, uh, with very few exceptions, most of these vitamins and minerals won't really help the immune system and definitely won't help it in the short term. These are long-term lifestyle changes that you really need to think about. Mm. The one exception might be vitamin D. Yeah. Um, you know, living in this part of the world, uh, vitamin D, you know, it's really natural way that it's made in the body is within the lower levels of the skin through a chemical reaction that's dependent on sun exposure. And, you know, we don't get much of that this yeah. time of year in the next few months. So vitamin D is something all right that for many reasons is good to supplement with uh, over the next few months. I've been, I've been doing it for, for the last few years, Liam. I've been taking vitamin D every morning of my life for the last 10 yeah. years. And during COVID, on the advice of, well, the research that we saw from uh, the likes of Dr. John Campbell, I've upped my dose. I take 4,000 units per day now, every day. Right. And I feel better for it. I would recommend it to anybody. So, you know, vitamin D, though, is uh, a... So we recently did a meta-analysis, actually, just published a few weeks ago. We looked at, you know, we didn't look at people with comorbidities. We looked at fully healthy people, all the studies that have ever been published for any upper, or sorry, any respiratory tract infection. And for vitamin D, we were able to identify about 30 studies. And there was only two studies really showed a benefit, and Mm. they were showing a benefit in those only in North America who were deficient. So actually, for most of us, when it comes to immune health and protection from a respiratory tract infection, it makes very, very little difference unless you're deficient. Mm. So how is it then that by taking it, I do actually feel a bit a bit of a benefit? But that's great. I'm, I'm delighted to hear <laughs> yeah. that. With a, a, it, it, and it could be for many reasons, because vitamin D is not just important for your immune system. It's really important to absorb calcium and magnesium and phosphorus, which is all not yeah. just important for they bone all, health, all but for metabolism, yeah. for yeah. Your, your mental health and well-being. So there's there could be many reasons for, for and that's great that, yeah. that you have such a good response. Oh, yeah. How about zinc? So zinc is another important one. Zinc is a, an essential mineral for many of the biochemical processes and your know, normal metabolism and functioning of the central nervous system. Zinc is absolutely required. And um, in a Western diet, we generally are not deficient in it. You do see deficiencies in the developing world. There's about two million or two billion people in the developing world can be deficient. So, and in where you get deficiencies, very clearly, there you can have problems with the immune system. But in this recent meta-analysis we did, we were able to identify 26 studies that looked at zinc supplementation. Uh, 24 were done in children. Um, and most showed absolutely no benefit at all. I remember now I'm talking to people who are not deficient, yeah. who are otherwise healthy. Um, there was only, again, two studies that showed a benefit, and those two studies came out of Asia. So, again, maybe there there was some deficiencies, and that's why, you know, I zinc see. was showing a benefit. Because, yeah. you know, it's like with your car. If you put extra petrol in your car, you won't make it go faster. Um, yeah. And that's the same with all these vitamins and minerals. If you already have enough, putting yeah. more in there isn't, for your immune system at least, isn't going to help. Sounds to me, what you're saying is, and you're not the first to say it, is that you can go into any shop of your choosing and you can buy a load of little bottles and canisters and take a fistful of stuff every morning. But if you have a regular, healthy 
balanced diet, you're just going to end up with expensive wee wee. Yep, that's uh, you've, you've said it. <laughs> and you know, one of the types of foods though that we would highly recommend people think about including more of in their diet, not in pills, because you can't get fiber in a pill. Yeah. But you know, we've really moved away from traditional diets that are rich in plant-based foods that contain lots of fruits, veg, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. And these fibers, when they go into your gut, you don't, you can't digest them. But when they go into the gut uh, and down lower in the gut, the bacteria there digest them and release a whole range of metabolites that we're now recognizing are really, really important for our metabolism, for our well-being, and for our immune system. So sources of fiber that we might forget about, what would they be? So like I said, I mean, fruits and veg, you've lots of different fibers, of course, but people think less, you're right, about you know nuts and seeds mm. and whole grains. These are also very, very good sources of fiber as well. Okay, all right. I spoke a few weeks ago to uh, a woman called Tanya Bualda, who is dealing with long COVID, and she mentioned being involved with you in in research. You've, you've a lot of research done on, on, on long COVID and how... In the immune system, long COVID, gut health, they're all tied in. Absolutely. Um, and this is, we're really, you know, getting some exciting data, I think, that is, you know, hopefully in the near term and the midterm will lead to us having better diagnostic tests, but also maybe some ideas uh, from a therapy point of view. And we've done an awful lot of work in the acute part of the, the, the disease. So when people are hospitalized with COVID, and we've discovered that there's really these critical control points that integrate the immune response, the bacteria that live in us and on us, and the metabolic response. And there's an awful lot of reprogramming. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ...and compensatory responses that happen during that time. And our preliminary data is saying that some of these responses can extend out a long time afterwards. And that these at least are associated with long COVID. And now what we have to do is we have to see if any of these differences really are important for the disease. If there are any of these biological changes have any influence on the pathophysiology of disease. And that's the next step. And actually we're we're submitting a, a grant application to Science Foundation Ireland uh, by Monday's the deadline okay. to fund this new uh, part of the work. So, yeah. So please say a prayer for us. To <laughs> I, I wouldn't want you to. I wouldn't want to be pushing you into speculation, Liam. But one of the things 
that I, I guess those dealing with long COVID or the whole mystery of who might get long COVID and who won't, wouldn't it be great to solve that and to be able to say, well, look, COVID-19, if you happen to get it, if you're vaccinated, even if you're vaccinated, relatively mild illness, and you can do this to avoid long COVID, wouldn't it be great to get to a point where you could tell people you can do this to avoid long COVID? So that's exactly right. And that's what we're hoping to get to in really the short term, in in months, not years, is that we can say you have a high risk configuration of your microbes, of your metabolism, of your stress, whatever that is. Um, And you can easily say to someone, look, you're at high risk of getting long COVID or you're, um, you know, if you do get COVID because you're at high risk, these are the things you need to do to now also decrease your risk. Um, and that's exactly what this, this next round of work. And it's great that we have some targets to investigate now. Excellent. So it has moved on very quickly. And with Tanya's help and uh, w- with others that are suffering from the disease, they've really been instrumental in guiding us to the correct questions to ask, actually. Excellent. By the way, in terms of asking questions and doing research, you and your colleagues there, you, you've really excelled you you come up how many of you are on this new highly cited researchers list of 2021 an international list there's 13 of my colleagues are are on that list i'm not on that list yet i have a bit to go (laughs) but but they are firing on all cylinders in there they're doing amazing work and it's a pleasure to, to work with them in there excellent excellent and long may that continue i spoke many years ago to john cryan about his work on gut health and autism and stuff like that so another kind of work that they're doing up there professor liam o'mahony from apc microbiome thank you for being with us on the opinion line we are getting loads of videos and photos of cues outside the harp bar we can name it they're there on the videos and in the photographs the harp bar queues outside it on this Thursday morning 1850-715-996 I was coming home from work last night there were young fellas in Toker firing rocks at cars and at the bus they're at it all weekend as well I just want to alert people it's very very dangerous we've had a long message from a medical secretary pleading with the public to stop verbally abusing them I'll read that in a while. We had a very good day yesterday again on the 10k toy giveaway. Let's say hello to Diana first. Now, Diana, I've been told that you haven't even been able to eat your dinner this evening because you've been so nervous about this competition. No, honest to God, it's sitting there still. I haven't touched it. (laughs) (laughs) So you qualified earlier on today with PJ. How has the day been since? Oh, it's gone really slowly. (laughs) Yeah, really slowly. So do the smallies in your house know that you've made it into the draw for this? No. They're not as small as other people's smallies, but no, I haven't said a bit because I was afraid I'd jinx it. Well, you have the lovely job then of breaking the good news to them because, Diana... Yes? You've won the 500 euro (laughs) toy shopping spree! Oh, thank you so much, Larry. And that's the best news ever that has made my day now, made my week. And that was our second winner in three days on the 10K toy giveaway. Could be you next, you know. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Following three sold-out shows last December, ABBA Forever returns to Cork and the smash hit show celebrates the band's music with a loud production featuring audio visuals of original ABBA moments on a giant screen. It takes place on Sunday the 28th of November at Cork Opera House. Access all areas. Panto returns to the Opera House this Christmas with a brand new show titled Nanny Nelly's Adventures in Pantoland. The announcement marks the much anticipated live return of the Cork Opera House Christmas Panto running at the venue from December 10th until January 9th. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access all areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on Leaside On Cork's 96FM That is an unofficial UCC Christmas Day It's been going on for years It used to at least wait until early December but they're doing it today outside the, at the Harp Bar We've had loads of videos loads of photographs sent to us of queues outside the harp. We're calling the bar to see if there's anything to say about it. But we can't get through so far. But it is unofficial Christmas Day, not endorsed or organised by the college or the Students' Union. Let's be very clear about that. But unofficial UCC Christmas Day. Huge queues outside the harp bar. We're getting photographs all morning. Hi PJ, you mentioned frontline workers getting verbal abuse. I'm a manager in a very busy GP surgery. The abuse the secretaries are getting on a daily basis is unbelievable. You have people shouting down the phone about things like, why won't the doctor see me? Sure, I know it's not COVID. That's all very well. It might just be that cold you get year in, year out. But when you're vulnerable patients in the surgery, you just can't take that chance. So you give a telephone consultation and you let the doctor make that call. Medical secretaries get a bad rap for having the nerve to ask patients what the appointment is for. We don't actually want to know what's wrong. We just need to assess you. You need an urgent appointment? Do you need to go to hospital? Or is it just your routine six-month checkup that can easily wait until next week? The pandemic has made everyone more anxious and stressed. But please, don't take it out on the people you are phoning to try to help you. Thanks, PJ, for reading this. We know what's going on. It's an unofficial UCC Christmas party. But we're trying to ring the bar and we can't get through. Uh, People out enjoying themselves. Nothing unusual about this as they're all vaxxed and working within the guidelines. Isn't it great to be young again, says Brian on Twitter, which is a point of view. 1850-715-996. It's it's coming into one of those flat old periods again. Do you remember we talked about that earlier in the year when things were getting rough in the springtime, winter and springtime, here in just with lockdown and restrictions and all that. There were days when you just felt really flat and wondering, Jesus, is this our life now? And then, hopefully, it all comes round again and you wake up the following morning and you're grand. But it's back again. 
that feeling is back again. I know personally and speaking very personally, I've had that feeling the last couple of days. Like, are we facing into another flipping winter of this? I hope we're not. But how could we boost our mood if we are feeling a little bit flat? Claire O'Reilly, the glow mama. Good morning. It's a hard thing to do, but we can make it easier for ourselves. Hi, PJ. How are you? Thanks for having me on this morning. Thrilled to do so. It's tough old time. We've all restrictions again and Christmas parties being cancelled and events being called off and it's easy to feel a bit flat. So how do we cope? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird time of the year, I suppose. Um, so Glow Mom is a nutritional lifestyle coaching business that helps like busy women and busy moms like myself who are trying to juggle family life with work and and keep everything's like going, especially at this time of the year. Um, as you said, like the the evenings are drawn in and the weather isn't great, and it's kind of, you know, Christmas is kind of in front of us. And you know, we all know that Christmas it it nearly starts in October now, so November can be a write off um, for many. And like December is when kind of the most damage in terms of good healthy habits and good healthy food kind of goes out the window. But then we kind of all the chickens kind of come home to roost, like in January. And, you know, when you've, if you haven't kind of fueled yourself right or if you haven't kind of put in the, the extra miles, I suppose, at this time of year, it, it's you're kind of facing a bigger mountain to climb in January in terms of like kind of trying to bring your health back yeah. and um, get, get yourself boosted again. So um, that's why I decided to run my, my Glow Mama 21 Day Body Booster. And that's starting on the 29th of November. And that's um, for anybody, um, well, for women and like myself who who likes, you know, a, that extra bit of structure and support and just that accountability as well um, going into Christmas so that you can feel fitter and feel a bit better about yourself. Because we all know, I know with the restrictions and everything, it's a bit daunting and we don't mm. know, like, when we get to see our friends. But like even in, in supermarkets and in shopping centres, you do bump into people and you want to kind of feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what kind of things does your programme contain? So it's just a 21 day. I suppose it's a kind of short, sharp kind of boost, um, kind of just to kind of fuel yourself. And it's, um, I suppose it's just about kind of when we kind of invest in ourselves and invest in our health, it, it comes back to the pays dividends. Um, so um, I'm all about, you know, um, planning, planning your your shopping and planning your meals, and if, if you do that, you're kind of already on a winner. And um, it's in about moving more as well and increasing. You don't have to go out and run marathons or run five k's. You know, mm. it can just be about increasing your steps every day. And you can have like a short walk or, you know, set your target. Like if if you can only, I know everybody th- talks about the ten thousand steps, but if you can only have like your 7,000 steps in the day, we'll set that as your goal and try and try and reach that every mm. day and, and maybe a little bit beyond it. And, mm. But try and make it consistent and, and consistency really is key. Do you know, people tend, particularly at winter though, when faced with a choice, Claire, between a brisk walk around the block with the dog and chocolate, you know what wins. Oh yeah, I know. But I, I how, how, do you, how, do you make, how do you make the right thing win? Um, I, it's, it's all about really kind of just making a plan and building it into your day. Like you'll never come back from a walk. It doesn't have to even be a walk around the block. You can go halfway around, you know. Mm. And um, it's about building it into your day and making it consistent. And you'll never come back from a walk thing. Jeepers, 
I, I, I'm sorry, no, I went out for a walk, you it's know, true. or I'm sorry I went to that class. But you, it will always feel better and it will lift your mood. And, you know, exercise is a virtuous circle, really, because like for the time that you're out, you're not eating the rubbish. And when you come back, you feel so good. You know, you're a bit, you're, your mood is uplifted. So then you're kind of not going to sabotage yourself either. So definitely like getting out and moving more is is key. And I suppose just as regards like the shopping and you know, like I've never gone into a supermarket like in December or even any time kind of from now till December where they've run out of sweets and chocolates and tins of biscuits, mm. you know, so you don't have to buy the stuff now. And if, yeah. like if you don't buy it, like if you don't bring it into the house, you can't eat it. That's, that's so But I know true. some people, yeah, some people as well, like, you know, like it has been a pandemic and some people are on reduced income and they do want to buy the special offers and that's absolutely fine. But maybe put it into the shade or stick it up into the attic where you can't get at it. Yeah. You know, like we used to go to France like in, in the summer and buy up a load of wine and uh, my husband just threw it into the attic because I'm afraid of heights. So <laughs> that I couldn't. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Like, so, <laughs> so that was my strategy to keep <laughs> to keep on track. <laughs> Sorry, that's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> But it's yeah. the truth, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's about it's about putting in those small like strategies. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Yeah. It can be something really small that'll help you like stay healthy and stay on track. And you know, then you will go into Christmas week and you will feel much better. And yeah. Christmas is to be enjoyed. And you know, it, it's it's a very special time of the year, and more especially even I think after what we've been through the last couple of years, and it's it's yeah. it's a lovely sense of connection and it's you know you know enjoy the wine at Christmas and enjoy I, I have the, a picture the, in my mind of you Claire right <laughs> <laughs> three o'clock three o'clock Christmas Eve right turkey gone in the oven you up downstairs now get up and get my wine <laughs> <laughs> I know getting up the stairs is a different uh, meaning in my house than it does in most houses. Hey, yeah, 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 it's mid morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, Claire? Do you know what's good too is a good old laugh, which you yeah. have given us. And thank you. Where can we find out more? Where can people see your program? So it's um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Um, so it's Glow Mama, G L O M A M M A. And uh, the 21 day body booster challenge, all the information is on that. And I have a, um, I have a women's only group as well, from dull mamas to glow mamas, um, that uh, they can join. And yeah, you can send me a, a private message or DM me, and uh, they can find out all the information. But it's starting on the 29th of November for 21 days. Fantastic, fantastic, Clara Riley, glow mama. Thank you. It's been a dull old morning talking about things like cuts in the fire service in Ballincollig and poor misfortunate healthcare workers burnt out and teachers confused over whether they can keep the schools open but thank you thank you so much Claire for a laugh she, she gets the husband to put the wine in the attic because she's afraid of heights love it love it right harp bar a WhatsApp message says students are piled on top of one another with no masks the area outside the pub is jammed with a big queue on the street also saw buses dropping students off. On Twitter, people saying, Dara says, students getting the blame again. Students can't do right in the eyes of some members of the public. I have a quick call on line one. Sabrina, you're on the opinion line. What would you like to say? Good morning. Hello. Hi, Sabrina. You're on Hi, the radio. Hi, how are you? Um, 
I don't want to condemn the students in what they're doing, but I do think it could be handled a bit differently. Now, I'm a healthcare assistant myself. I work in the healthcare line. So I was passing the heart bar a couple of minutes ago and the students are piled on top of each other. There's no masks. There's nobody outside kind of directing them, telling them they should wear a mask. There's no social distancing. There is no... They do have one gentleman, all right, outside picking up all the bottles and the cans from whatever the students have dropped before they've gone in. Now, there's loads of guards there. I give them credit, but the guards aren't doing anything either. They're just standing there, arms folded, staring at them. Yeah. We've been trying to contact the bar, but we can't get through to them. You won't get through with the crowd that's there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, The queue is going up by... There's, like, um, a funeral place there. The queue is going up the hill. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Whatever about them drinking, I don't condemn that because, like, they're, they're kids at the end of the day and kids will be kids and they need to enjoy themselves too. Yes. But I do think they should be wearing masks. They should be some co- sort of structure in place to allow them go in properly, not just to have them all piled on top of each other. Yeah. And yeah. just to see the buses then dropping them off. So it's like three or four buses. When I passed there a couple of minutes ago, dropping, oh, they were full. Crikey. Full yeah. and they all came off the bus with cans in their hands, bottles in their hands. See a few of them because the, the queue of traffic is so slow. You can see everything that's going on. Throwing it into people's gardens, throwing them on the on the ground. Yeah, yeah. But they do have like what do, I would do. You call live in the area, Sabrina. Pardon? Do you live around there? Around there? No, I'm a healthcare assistant, so I'm a home help. I go into uh, people's houses. I see. I see. So um, I had to pass that way to um, go to one of my clients' house and um, you could just see the crowds there. And like that area, people that live around there are kind of elderly and more mature. So like I think it definitely could have been organised a bit better. Yeah. I'm not condemning what they're doing, but it could have been organised a bit better. Okay, okay. Thanks for calling the opinion line. That's Sabrina. She's a healthcare worker. She's visiting clients in the area around the Harp this morning. She's not condemning young people for being out. That's what young people want to do and the blessings have gotten them, as it were. Best of luck to them. But she's saying it could have been organised a bit better. On top of each other, they're not wearing masks. There seems to be no organisation. As I say, we're trying to contact the bar, but we have not been able to get through. 1850-715-996. I'll go to Jackie maybe in a couple of minutes, guys. I don't have time right now. We are very, very, very busy today. Just on staff in medical centres and GP surgeries getting abused. Caller says the staff are very dedicated and have a vocation, but the abuse and the stress they're getting is immense. I know a lady who was completely burnt out and she got advice to job share and she's now completely rejuvenated should they look at that some more. Uh, On the idea of parents having to stay out of work because their children have COVID and under the new rules, the the whole family now must isolate for five days. And that's hard on working parents who might lose a few days' wages. That's very hard. PJ, it's an extreme situation for parents, yes, but it has to be done to keep others safe. It's extremely difficult for cleaners as well. We can only control the cleaning and the protocol. We can't control what's coming into the schools. That, for us, is a lot of extreme stress as well. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. What you read now in a week's worth of newspapers, Ross, mm-hmm. is the amount of information that someone would have received in their entire lifetime 100 years ago. Wow. Wow. So, so just in like a week's worth of newspapers, that's how much scandal and gossip they would have got 100 years ago. And how did they get through life not knowing that Car- Carol Vorderman looks great at 60 in a pair of leather pants? Yeah. Or, <laughs> or that Ryan Turbidy opens up about his new socks. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the City, a long standing tradition in Cork. Open 24 7 at nildc.com. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Messages coming into us now. It's not just the harp. There's also a huge crowd of students on the Bandon Road. Is that Sissy's or some one of those pubs up by the Bandon Road? Sissy, Sissy maybe, or maybe the off-license is up the Bandon Road. Also, we'd love to speak to someone inside the Harp Bar about what's happening outside at the moment. We understand, we do understand, it's very difficult to control what happens outside, so we're not having a pop at you over that at all. We'd just like to know how you feel about what's going on. And also, look, it's fair to point out, it's only a small percentage of students who are actually outside the bar swigging vodka. Uh, most of them are, are not doing anything like that. Most of them are not doing anything like that. But there is a queue outside, a big crowd outside. Not a lot of mask wearing, not a lot of distancing going on. And there are other pubs involved as well. As someone quite smartly points out, I hope the students have money for food after all that drinking. 1850 Also people saying, what the hell is it with the buses dropping people off? Like Sabrina pointed out, indeed, like another couple of calls and messages sent to us. We are looking to talk to anyone inside the harp. If they're, happy, if they're happy to talk to us, we'd love to chat with them. We know you're not in control of the situation outside. It's very difficult to do that. A reminder to you, every year in Cork, thousands of you get together to help to fight homelessness with Cork Simon by wearing your Christmas jumper to raise those vital funds. And we know with the new restrictions announced, things are changing because more and more people are now working from home. But you can still do your Christmas jumper day with Cork Simon and Cork 96 FM any way that you choose. If you're still in the office, do it in the office. If you're at home, do it on home. Do it online. Have a big Zoom with your friends and colleagues or even some family and friends overseas. Have a big Zoom with your Christmas jumpers and take pictures and screenshots and have fun with it. Get your fundraising pack at CorkSimon.ie and join Cork's 96FM to help to fight homelessness in Cork. 1850-715-996. There's a show at the Everyman on Sunday. It's a touring show put together by DJ and actor and writer, uh, Keith Walsh. Talk to me, Keith, about about the, the, the show Pure Mental. Y- you wrote it after quitting, what, five years on radio 
and you had time to time to ponder. Yeah, well, like I suppose um, <clears throat> I was on the uh, the breakfast show on on another radio station, and uh, it finished up, and I suppose I felt a little bit of uh, you know a, a bit let down. It's deflated, rejected, and uh, it was it's sort of a time. I had a bit of time, so I said, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and get a bit of therapy and see if I can figure this all out." And um, that's what I did. And because of that, I started, I started writing stuff, uh, you know, stories about my life and bits and pieces that happened. And the stories became this one man play, uh, which is you know about a man who loses a job in his forties, and instead of. Uh, you know, I suppose it's, it's midlife crisis ter- territory, but you know, trying to make sure it's not a midlife crisis and it turns into something positive—that's the—that was the plan, anyway. Mm. Why? Why did you? What? What? What prompted you to go to therapy after losing the job? Well, because I mean, look, these things happen. Like life is just like arbitrary. It's not like I mean, at the time, I suppose I was angry that I lost the job, and I'm, I'm pointing the finger and I'm blaming I'm this and I'm that and I'm whatever, you know. And I'm desperate. I'm desperate to get another job, and I just, and I'm thinking I need to get another job, you know, in radio. I need to do this. I need to do that. And there's a lot of desperation and anger and whatever, and that wasn't really serving me very well because ultimately, I mean, you know, it's it's not about, I suppose, blame. Life just stuff just happens in life. Mm. And if you deal with it badly, it's, that's not good for you or anybody. So it was trying to figure out how can I deal with this well, um, because other bad things are going to happen, and I can't just like you know uh, go go into a slump every time something bad happens to me. So I need to figure out how to deal with these things, and that's kind of what I did. So it was like, well, uh, it was my wife actually said to me, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity to to talk to somebody, figure a few things out, and there was stuff from my childhood that I hadn't dealt with properly that I needed to deal with, and. And that was the opportunity to do it. And, and I suppose in your 40s as a man, like if you if you leave it any later, are you ever going to deal with this? And if you don't deal with it, is it going to bring you down? That's the worry, you know? Yeah. Our reactions to things that happen in our life, one thing we've learned, I suppose, from, from oh. psychology is they're often formed, our reactions, by how we were as kids. D- did you find that? Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, my the the whole way I saw the, the the world and how I dealt with things and how I reacted to things, like 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 feeling rejected, you know, and and feeling let down by people, or you know, because I suppose whatever way I was brought up, I kind of became this sort of people pleaser and you know trying to do the right thing and being a good lad and you know and that kind of stuff. So when you're when you're good and doing the right things and then it doesn't work out, you kind of feel, well, why didn't that work out? And then you feel. It's the rejection I felt, and I really need to look at that part. Like, why did I, how, how, why had I, I suppose, why was my career so important to me? Like, what did that mean? And why was I saying, well, this is who I am. I'm on the radio, and this is me, and this is who I am. And, if, you know, if, if that's successful, then I'm successful, and I'm happy, and everybody's happy, and everyone around me, my family, everyone's happy. And if it's not, then I'm not happy, and no one's happy. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And Do you find yourself, did you find yourself blaming yourself for the decisions of other people? Well, yeah, I mean, you do, because you feel like uh, you weren't good enough, you know, and why weren't you good enough? And you should have been better, and you should have tried harder, and you should have worked harder. And, like, there's a, there was a sort of a, there's a manicness as well about, you know, well, for me, being in that situation and working a job like that, where I'm like, i got to do more, i got to be better, i gotta, I got to prove myself, because I can't leave anything to chance. And then, yeah, when, when, when it all ends up, when it all finishes up, you're just like, I wasn't good enough, I'm not good enough. These people, you know, and that, that's, you know, that, you kind of need to reframe all that. You need to look at it and go, well, that's just life. It's, stuff happens. It, mm. it, it shouldn't be, ref- you shouldn't take that so personally, you know? Yeah, which, yeah. which, which is was. a very hard thing to do. How did you go from 
therapy then to a stage show? When, at what point did you realise, I've got the makings of a show here? Well, one of the things I started doing in therapy was I started writing a lot and, yeah. and, 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 and writing the stories. And then the stories, I had I had these sort of 10 short stories about life, about my life, about other people's lives, about experiences. And I and I approached a friend of mine, Janet Moore, who's a director and writer and uh, performer in her own right. And I said, look, I've got some stuff here. I'd love to do something with it. I don't know what. And she said, well, look, if you want to work with me, I think there's a one-man show in this. So myself and Janet sort of, took those stories and created and wrote this one-man show out of it. So that's kind of how it came about. It was sort of like, you know, almost like, you know, a surprise to me almost, really. But I knew I wanted to do something. I was driving towards something and I wasn't sure. And also, I was kind of determined that I wanted to get something positive out of this big kind of negative, you know? Yeah. And you have done because you're going on tour with it and, and it seems to be selling well for you. Yeah, no, it's, it seems to be going well and there seems to be interest in it. And, and you know, it's I suppose it's funny because you're because if you're coming from a background of radio, people are like, what is it stand up? Is it a, is it um you know is it a talk? You know, so I won't be lecturing anybody. And it's not a stand up; it's a play. You know, there's mm. laughs, there's there's tears, there's ups, there's downs. You know, it's a proper mm. it's a proper journey of an hour, and uh, it's enjoyable. You know, and hopefully people will take something from it and um, and realize that you know nobody has this figured out. And you know, as soon as you do, you won't, and it'll you know it'll come fighting in the backside. So. Nobody has it figured out. Nobody else's life is perfect, and it's important that we talk about things that you know, you know, figuring out our mental health, looking after our mental health, you know, taking the time out to go to therapy or do whatever it is that helps you get through the day or get through the the, the down times and have a conversation, have it out there. So hopefully, people come and see it, have a laugh, have a cry. And, and come away with something from it, you know. All right, listen, good luck with it. Uh, Keith Walsh, the man behind Pure Mental, is on a tour at the moment, and it is at the Everyman on Sunday night, the 21st, 1850-715-996. I think Jackie and I, I'm almost sure, Jackie, you and I spoke before about your young lad, because he loves to collect yeah. stuff. Uh, was it phones yeah, or does. something we had? It was phones and cameras and Furbies and talking fish. And now it's military. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Last, on. Not yeah. September. Not September gone. September before he was on about Russian hats and just had. And he says, oh, I went upstairs in a suitcase. Did I with himself? Truth. So ever since, he's annoying me every day. Mom, look at this. Mom, look at that. I went to Port Leash for a German jacket. He's got a North Korean hat. He's got East German hats. He's got a French medic uniform. He's got, oh, he's just every day. So I'm looking for places where I can get more for him for Christmas. <laughs> what age is he now, Jackie? 15 the days of going into Smith buying cars and they go, oh, gone. They're gone. They're gone. I remember you on to me about was it old phones. You didn't care if they worked or not. You just wanted to get them. And the... No, it was um, the old grocery phones. He got one and he got... Um, his old cameras, I went to Limerick for one. Uh, his sister gave him another one. And he's a second antique shop here. Yeah, yeah. And he'll go out wearing his French uniform and he'll go out wearing his North Korean hat and he'll Good go out wearing his him. Russian hat. Good for he'll him. He'll walk around the place and go into shops or him and everything. He don't care. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> he and, likes showing people that. And military, military and military stuff is his latest. And you're yeah. trying to find out what is out there that you can yeah. you can buy. Pick, pick up without driving to bloody Port Leash again. Yeah. We went to Dingle now the other day, Sunday, for a hat for him. <laughs> Do you oh. know You know that, and the, I know there's one down, or there used to be one down in Middleton, 
Um, there was one in McCroom. We got in the French uniform down there. Right. McCroom. There was an army. There was a fabulous army surplus place in Middleton. Oh no! It, it, it ha- no, they won't do. They, it has to be originals. It has to be you know knockoff shirts. Like they won't do knockoff. Oh sorry. Oh bit. sorry. So no, I was no, going no. to recommend as well. There's a brilliant one in the outlet centre in Killarney upstairs. Oh. No, they won't do. It has to be like nineteen fifty odd or thirty odd years old. It has to be authentic to make the name of it and the maker and everything. Okay, and I'm like, okay oh, then. Yeah, he's after possibly a fortune. <laughs> I can hear he's poor Mammy pulling out his left of her hair here. Oh, Mammy's pulled out her hair already. He was up Sunday morning out at nine o'clock showing me, and I was saying, right, come on, we'll put an offer in, and we ended up down in Dingle. So. And then the next day, I got one in Bellink, down in uh, Oak and Bishopstown. The band know I met a guy there and played himself. So there's more jackets. Now he's into more jackets he's wants. Jackets. He's about six hats. He's got a North Korean hat now. Right, right. It's cost me a fortune. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing because I know... Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, I was listening to your toy giveaway of 500 euro for toys and like, I want 500 euro for military stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at a coat now and it's 150 okay do you know it's a long grey military coat it's air force he likes air force military ground force air force bloody everything right. it's Jesus God almighty he's looking for Irish uniforms now that looks like Michael Collins ones and everything and I'm like God leave me alone <laughs> there's a crowd every called... time I see him coming in we, we every time a... I see him coming in with a phone on his hand I'm saying please no <laughs> And I'm sorry for laughing because I, I I know it's costing you an absolute fortune but at the same time you want to help him as much as you can because yeah. it'll be something else next week. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a group called Battle Group South. They're corp based right. and they are military reenactment people. Battle Group South. Battle right. Group South. I'm assuming they're on Facebook or somewhere like that. Right. I'll have a look at them now. I'll write that down now because it'll go straight out of my head. Battle Group <laughs> South. And I guess, look, if anybody has any genuine, excuse me, no knockoff stuff here, genuine military memorabilia lying around, preferably jackets or hats, maybe in an attic somewhere, maybe in an old wardrobe somewhere, you'd be delighted to take them off. He's not interested in the medals at all because he was a no, that person probably died. I don't want them. (laughs) He just, they should be with the family. I'm sorry for laughing, but I just get it, get it, get it. Before anyone else, you and I, I've forgotten his name. He's on the spectrum, isn't he? Yes, Anthony. Anthony, and this is his, this is his latest thing. Yeah, I mean, he's over six foot and he's walking around strutting his stuff with his German jacket today and his Russian jacket the next day. And he'll probably have a mix for a Korean hat or. Oh, oh, and, he, and I'm like, oh, he, I was in, he's got a Korean hat, and he was saying North Korea. I can't just say a Korean hat; I have to say North Korean. Of course you do. And I hear, oh, right. Oh, then, uh, if anybody he's can looking help. for American stuff, American stuff as well. We can't get our hands in them either. He's like, show me. I'm saying, Anthony, will you leave me alone? I'm trying to read my book. Will you please leave me, give me a break for five minutes? <laughs> if anybody can help with Jackie, uh, they can get in touch with us but if anybody's got stuff in a wardrobe in a drawer you know there might be an old attic somewhere and I think she's going to look into that group Battle Group South based in Cork their military reenactment that's Jackie Uh, good man Anthony (laughs) 
It was old phones before and cameras and it just... Look, it's part of being on the spectrum. You get mania for collecting things. Is it... Um, yeah, it's Riley, Nicole's little lad. My boy Blue, his his latest one, I think she was telling me, was the Golden Gate Bridge. Anything to do with the Golden Gate Bridge. So here's Anthony now. Military. It has to be genuine, authentic military. Thanks, Jackie. 1850 715 Quick reminder, this is a free Santa Friday up tomorrow for Magical Blarney on Cork's 96 FM. Listen across today, your chance to grab a family pass for Cork's ultimate Christmas experience. Win your way to Magical Blarney with Blarney Woolen Mills. This free Santa Friday. And it's only on Cork's 96 FM heading in for a very, very busy, busy day tomorrow between all sorts of giveaways and fun and games on the show. Will we do this? Happy birthday to, to you. Happy birthday to, to you. Happy birthday to Douglas Village Shopping Centre. You can throw the choir out. Bartos, how are you? Big day down there. I'm fabulous. I'm fabulous. Nice to hear you. And lovely to talk to you. You were not there on day one, of course. <laughs> but it's, no. it's, been a, it's been an eventful few years while you have been there. So this is a big, big occasion in Douglas. Yeah, it's a big occasion. And, and we're absolutely delighted. You know, as, as you said, I'm in Douglas 14 years. So, so... So I haven't been there at the very start, but from my first day when I started here, I kind of knew that this place was very special and uh, that it's going to be amazing. And, and, you know, over the years, I've learned, you know, what it really means to people and, and you know, that they really have a special connection with it. And, and you know, like I was honored and obviously <laughs> under pressure to, to, to make this occasion count for them, you know, so... So we've spoken to a lot of our, our regular customers about, you know, how it was and, and, and we've gathered a number of photographs and, and, and memories and we did a we did a photo exhibition around the shopping center of the of the fifty years going back to the original opening in nineteen seventy one. Yeah, yeah. There was a man called Morris Pratt was there at one stage and, and made big public appearances down there. He was very famous. He became a TV star. He was a sales rep for Quinsworth and became a TV star. Yeah, out of it. yeah. yeah and, and it it was originally, there was about 12 or 13 shops originally back in the, back in the 70s. And now, and here's the thing, Bartus, let's face it, my friend, you almost didn't get here. I know, I know. It's like it's been it's been tough for us, but you know we've always been we've always had the support of our of our customers, and you know we never doubted that you know there will be there will be a better future and there will be a brighter future. And, and in a way, it's 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 really a message, good message for the current times when you know there's a couple of things still uncertain, but you know all the bad stuff like they end at some stage and turn into something new, new and yeah. and kind of beautiful and and. and a new chapter opened. So, I mean, you know, I, 50 years is a long time. A lot has been happening in the world within that time or, or you know, in, in Douglas and Cork and Ireland everywhere, you know, but, you know, some things don't change. And, and I think Douglas Village Shopping Centre being here for 50 years at, at the heart of the village is a good example of that. Yeah. Your, your big day, I think, is, is Saturday. Wayne is down there doing his show from 10 till 2 on 96 FM. You're cutting the cake on yeah. Saturday. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we we have stuff. We have some stuff today. Like we're we're giving away some gift cards and and we have a uh, anniversary bags to give away. But we have more anniversary bags to give away. And obviously we're doing we're doing a um, a live show for from from ten to two. We have plenty of prizes and and um, we have plenty of prizes and we're really looking forward to it. You know. Okay. And of course, it goes without saying, but we say it anyway, Bartos, everything will be done in a COVID compliant manner. Yes, absolutely. You know, like we, we had very ambitious plans at the, uh, you know, when the, when the birthday was coming up first. But look, we're happy with what we can do and, and, and you know, we're going to engage in a way that we can and, and are allowed to engage. So, you know, it's not going to stop us to, to kind of reward our customers, say hello to them, and smile and, and, you know, thank them, really thank them for the last 50 years together yeah. here at the end of the village. Yeah. And the Christmas decorations, I must say, I see them now every morning as I'm driving in past the shopping centre. They look fabulous this year. So congratulations on that alone and on 50 years uh, to Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Bartos Misala, the general manager there, there for the past 14 years. A big weekend for them. Wayne down there with his Saturday show, Saturday on Cork's 96 from 10 till 2 for the cutting of the cake. But lots more going on. Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Sure, tis me local place. I have to talk about them. But I do remember, and I guarantee you there's someone else remembers, when the car park was on the other side of the Little River and it was a long, sloping car park. We were kids. We were, couldn't tell you what age we were. Young anyway. We used to go down on a Saturday morning. We'd cycle down on our bicycles and three or four of us would meet down there. (laughs) And we'd go to the top of the car park and we'd get trolleys. And we'd sit in the trolleys. And we'd race down the slope to the bottom. It's a wonder we weren't killed or fell out on our heads, but we did. Who is eating a balanced, healthy diet these days with all the nutrients processed out of the food? And that is why we need supplements, says that message. On the harp, caller says... I've just been up at the Harp and Bandon Road for a look. This is a very serious matter. Think not just about COVID, but the way the footpaths are. It's dangerous for people with kids out walking, for elderly people. Imagine a child getting separated from a parent in all of that. It's all very well having a few guards standing around, but it's not good enough. I tell you especially what's good enough. The colleges, both of them, should be out there trying to restore order. Part of the community, my eye. Well... Do you know, it's not organised by the college and it's not organised or endorsed by the Students' Union. That, they've, said, they've told me that before. It's just something that happens. Students get together. I give it a rest about masks and students. I was in a theatre last week. A full bar opened. People rammed into it and no masks being worn at the bar. On Ballincollig, I'd just like to say thanks to Mick Nugent for letting us know what independents voted in favour of the cuts by City Council. People should think twice about voting for them again. At this stage, they can't be trusted. Name and shame them is the only way. On booster vaccines, Jean says, I turned up at the City Hall to get my booster vax this morning and was told that the rules had changed at midnight. You now can't just show up for an appointment. You need to wait until you're offered. Has anyone heard anything about this? No, is the answer. But presumably they're trying to organise it so people can get appointments. But thank you, Jean. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre. For toys, food, fashion and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. I got a pocket full of cash money. Loads and loads and loads and loads of toy shopping sprees to give away for free at the moment. And here on the opinion line, two of our qualifiers in the last three days have been winners. Diana yesterday and Grace on Monday have gone forward to the draw with Lorraine in the evening and have ended up winning that €500 Euro voucher with Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Let us go to the lines. Line one is Laura. Hey, Laura. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good, good. We have a good track record on the opinion line so far. Three days in, we've had two winners. So what I'm going to try to do now is make you our fourth qualifier and put you forward to the draw. And who knows? That would be amazing. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great? All right. Uh, Do you have people that would happily help you spend 500 quid? Oh, God, I do. (laughs) They'd happily spend it. I have Abby, Molly and Ben. Okay, and what ages are they? Um, Abby's 15, Molly is 12 and Ben is 6. Won't last you past the first Oh, aisle. I wouldn't get in the door, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A kiddie question, then, with an A or B answer. Who is the voice, Laura, who is the voice of Woody in Toy Story? Is it A, Danny DeVito, or B... Tom Hanks. Is it A, Danny DeVito, or B, Tom Hanks? It is B, Tom Hanks. It is B, Tom Hanks. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Dead easy. No pain. No pain whatsoever. So what that does now is it gets you into the draw this evening with Lorraine oh, on the big drive home. No promises at this stage. We have a good no. track record so far. <laughs> you never know. There are two sprees given out every evening. An exciting afternoon in the day, or for an exciting afternoon anyway. Yeah. All right. Listen. <laughs> good luck. Good luck, Laura. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take Cheers. care now. Take care and enjoy the rest of your day. And the draw this evening. Simon's got another qualifier. Lorraine takes one herself. And of course, then there's the draw after six on the big drive home for two 500 euro toy giveaway sprees at Douglas Village Shopping Centre the Corks 96 of M 10k toy giveaway Hello Bernie I'm hearing about the crowds out by the Harp and the Barrack Street and Vanden Road there's plenty of people out there cutting their contacts keeping it essential there's young people doing that too plenty of them so you see these people lining up on the street with no masks they're the immature ones the ones that don't think of society Mental health? Listen, if we go into a lockdown, we'll all be locked up and able to see no one again. There's no sense to this. Cop yourselves on, is Bernie's message. Again, we'd love to speak to anyone within those pubs. We know they're not in control of the situation outside their door. But yet the event is going on. And should it be? It's, of course, it can go on. Because the places are open and entitled to trade. But should it be going on? I, an event that I was due to be involved in on next Friday week, uh, the Pride of Cork Awards, big event uh, at the Silver Springs. Um, 
and the following night they have got the business awards, or at least they had, because those two events have now been put back until the springtime in the interests of COVID compliance and safety. It's happening all over the place. So maybe a proper decision this morning might have been, in the interest of COVID compliance and safety, let us not do this today. But still, they did it. 1850-715-996. Today is the Transgender Day of Remembrance at UCC. Elliot Mulhall joins me, the the chair of the LGBTQ Society at UCC. Elliot, good morning. Morning, PJ. Good to speak with you, Elliot. Tell me about uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance. What's it all about? So Transgender Day of Remembrance is um, November the 20th, but for UCC societies, the weeks sort of run from Monday to Thursday. So we're um, having our vigil today. Um, It's a day to remember um, those from the transgender community um, who have passed on through violence. um, And usually a vigil is held um, to remember them. It's originally began in memory of a woman called Rita Hester. Tell me about Rita. Um, so Rita Hester was a transgender woman who was killed in 1998. Um, and a trans advocate, Gwendolyn Ann Smith, started Transgender Day of Remembrance by holding a vigil to honour the memory of Rita. And it's just grown since then. See. Now, I see that Tenny, and I've spoken to Tenny on the air a few times, they documented in 2017, they documented over 60 crimes, transphobic crimes, over two years. But the most shocking element of it was only about six were actually reported because people don't report those crimes, do they? No, they don't. But thankfully this year, um, the government is working on putting hate crime legislation into place so that when a crime like that actually happens, there are consequences. Um, And I think that'll make us all feel a lot safer in that regard. So how are you marking the day at UCC? So this week we've had our Transgender Healthcare Conference. Um, So it's a a week-long event. And then today is the final day, which we are marking with a vigil Um, where we'll speak about the trans people who lost their lives this year. Um, This year, there's 375 names on the list. And um, we'll just be giving a a moment silent for them. And then after that, um, one of our committee members was saying they had been to a vigil before and then they went home. And, you know, you're just alone and emotional and sad. So after the vigil, we're inviting our members to come to a safe space with us where we can support each other and talk about our trans experiences. Are there a large trans community at UCC, Elliot? Yeah, absolutely. So we have um, a lot of members. We have 2,000 registered members, um, but you know, not all of them would come to events, but um, there would be a, a good number of trans people among that number. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with the, the event and the day. 
And thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line. That is Elliot Mulhall, Chair of the UCC LGBTQ Society, marking Transgender Day of Remembrance. It is the 20th, but they're doing it today at UCC. On testing, um, it would appear, just like yesterday, there are no online slots to be had at any of the Cork testing centres. If you're just going online, there are no slots to be had. But the advice coming back from HSE is, A, if you have a slot already booked, obviously, take it up. If you have an appointment, go. Secondly, if you need an appointment urgently or you're just looking for an appointment for a test, call your GP. Because the way it works seems to be there is an amount of it can be booked online, but also each GP has a certain allocation of slots so they they keep slots for direct referrals from GPs even though you can also go online so just because the online slots are full it doesn't mean that all the GP slots are full what about pupils in primary that are vaccinated can they stay in school that's a good question also when I pass although there wouldn't be too many primary school students vaccinated would be would there of course, if they're 12, they might still be in primary. Also, when I passed the test centre in Douglas this morning at 8.45, there were three cars. I just looking to get a test, and yet again, no appointments. Can you please raise this? Try calling your GP. Uh, we had a long comment on the Ballancolic situation from Sinn Féin councillor Olin Ring. I just wondered, do I have time? I do. I, I will open it and see. He sent us a chart and uh, he wanted to know about the budget and the votes and the people who voted for it and the revenue that we... What we'll do actually, Fergals, we'll take a look at that and we'll bring it tomorrow because there's going to be follow-up on this fire brigade cut. Remind you, we started the programme this morning talking about cuts in the fire service as a result of the council budget. Budget was passed last Monday. 84,000 or thereabouts taken out of the fire brigade budget. And as a result of it, it means that Baron Collig, we spoke to Billy from the fire brigade union, Billy Crowley, there will now not be a fire service in Baron Collig. The engine or the station will lie there empty let me go to last day last bit of business the Cork Lions Club Pat O'Brien coming up for Christmas Lions Club busy busy people even with Covid restrictions busy people and tell us about the drive-in bingo first Pat good morning Hi PJ how are you doing thank you very much for giving me an opportunity always to, a pleasure um, always a pleasure talk to your listeners about the Christmas food appeal uh, yeah we've been devastated with the um, with the old um, Covid so our fundraising is very limited, but we're delighted to be able to do an outdoor drive-in bingo in Curraheen Greyhound Stadium Park on the 5th of December at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. The doors will open at 1.20, and we have all the COVID precautions in place. And uh, you can book online at cork, www.corklinesclub.ie. The books are €10 Euros each, and there's great prices donated by local firms. Yeah, okay. And that'll be an aid to the food appeal. Now, traditionally, the food appeal, Pat, is shopping centres and people outside it shaking buckets and boxes. Can you do that this year? Shin chart, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, we'll be able to do it in one or two stores, all right, but a lot of the other stores won't allow us uh, near them, you know? Mm. So we will we will go to some of the stores uh, in your area. And don't forget, the Lions Clubs are, are all over Cork City and County. 
you know, Clannock Kilty, Skibreen, Banfrey, Douglas, Bishopstown, Cove, Carrigaline, Fermoy, Middleton, Mitchestown, and uh, they will be collecting at different at different places. I can't say precisely where they'll be collecting, but just watch out. Yeah. Because we do need the food appeal. You know, we do need people they, There to, used to, to be a coordinated date, Pat. Is there? Yes. No, uh, at the moment now, uh, uh, it depends on what deals you can do with your local supermarket. Uh, it'll be in December, but uh, we'll notify you uh, in time, PJ. Right. Uh, because it varies in different locations, it'll vary. Just watch, just watch the local Lions Club. Uh, and they'll have uh, they'll have uh, notice up about when the food appeal is on and where it's on. You know, and, and if anybody but, wants to make a donation of their own to their local Lions Club, can they do that as well? All they do is go online. Yeah, uh, uh, in Cork Lions Club, it's just www.corklionsclub.ie. Um, but the the drive-in bingo, we have posters up for that, and you can scan. There's there's a, there's a, a scanner on that. And you can just scan and donate as well. If you want to donate, you know, go to your go to your local um, website and have a look for Cork Lions Club, and you can scan and donate because we have a we have a scan uh, on that, mm. and uh, you can just scan in and donate. Yeah. But uh, it's the Greyhound Stadium will will be open on the fifth of December at two o'clock. Uh, we'll be starting at two o'clock. The uh, drive-in bingo, yeah. and as I said, the the uh, you can come from one one twenty on. But the books are available at ten euros, okay. and they're available from Cork Lions Club. You know, all right. It's been a, it's been a last year was a disastrous year for a fundraising. Disaster, you know, this year maybe a bit better, maybe a bit better. Hopefully, it? PJ, we look. We you must be positive. You know, we must be positive. We held our first face to face meeting in the Clayton Hotel uh, last month, and now this month is cancelled. It's now back to online again. You know, and virtual meetings. So we all we have to do is we must abide by the regulations and the rules that NIFA tell us. And it's just a pity because we do a lot of work. Uh, there's 110 Lions clubs all over Ireland and they do a lot of work, especially at Christmas for the food appeal, to give food to the needy and those that are living in sheltered accommodation, you know. And it's just a pity, but we need the money and, and um, this is our way of doing it in Cork. Mm. It's the Christmas food appeal. And know? everything donated to your local Lions club will be spent in your local district. Correct. That's right. Every club, we pay for membership of the club ourselves. We don't use any money for other than buying goods for, for the older DD. Okay. All right, Pat, I'll leave it there. Good luck with it. CorkLionsClub.ie for further information on their bingo day, drive-in bingo, and on their Christmas food appeal. Pat O'Brien from Cork Lions Club. And that's it. Whew. It's been a lively one. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Friday, thanks be to goodness, comes round again. See you then, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Hi. Morning. Oh my God. Oh God. What's wrong, What's wrong? She's a bit shaky. Shaking. And I said, I'm, I tried to roll the cigarette, and I'm shaking so much. And how many times has pop singer Madonna been married? Uh, Sean Penn and uh, the other lads. She was married to Sean Penn and Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Which means she was married twice, and you've just won 2,000. Oh my God.
my God, you can roll a fag with a 50 or not. No, that is absolutely <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Another winner. There you go. Go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. With phones, your Irish SIM-free specialist for 12 years. Any SIM, any network, any country. Phones.ie. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.